Well, hey, Heritage. We're actually stepping into week two of Family Octagon. And we're having this conversation because we understand that sometimes life can feel like a knockdown, drag out battle against people. Even with the closest relationships we have, the people that we love, it can feel like we're in a fight to the finish. But God has created us for relationships marked by joy and unity and intimacy. But in the midst of the struggle, we can, we can actually struggle to see those things and find those things, which is why we're having this conversation about understanding how we fight for what matters most. Now, when we're talking about the fight, we're actually talking about fighting for healthy relationships. We're talking about fighting for community and unity. We're talking about fighting for intimacy. And when we kicked this thing off last week, Justin gave us a specific challenge to look at how we view ourselves, how we see ourselves, and that's foundational. Because how we see ourselves is the single common denominator in every relationship that we have. If you want to hear more about what he taught, you can find that online at heritageqc.com. But today, I want to move the conversation a little bit further in talking about ground rules. Ground rules. See, ground rules are defined this way. They are the basic or governing principles of conduct in any situation or field of endeavor. Every game, every sporting event, every battle has rules. Just think for a moment of your favorite game, your favorite sport. Maybe it's a board game, maybe it's a card game. You got in your mind your favorite game or sport? Okay, rhetorical question, just in your own headspace. How many rules are there for that game or sport? One, two, dozens? If you're thinking about a professional sport, there are probably hundreds of rules that guide and direct that experience. Every game, every contest, every sport, every match has rules. They define what's allowed and what's not allowed. They restrict and permit. They tell us what we can do and can't do. And we like them, but we also dislike them. Because we actually don't like to be told what to do. We like others to have rules and to make sure they don't mess things up, but in the end, we actually struggle with being told what to do. We just simply don't like it. In fact, just raise your hand, Bendorf, Kiwana, raise your hand if you don't like to be told what to do. It's okay, just put your hand up and say, I just don't like to be told what to do. Yeah, look around. We don't like to be told what to do. And in fact, in all likelihood, those who didn't raise their hand probably like it even less. I'm not raising my hand. This is not school. This is church. I'm not doing that thing that silly pastor wants me to do. I get it. It's okay. We don't like to be told what to do. But life is filled with rules, ground rules. And and we like them for other people because we don't want them to cheat. We don't want them to cut in. We don't want them to mess things up and cause problems. But when it comes to us ourselves, we don't like to be told what to do. We, we want to do what we want, the way we want. But that isn't always best. It isn't always best for us. It isn't always best for others. It isn't always best for God. And, and the truth is, in fact, many of the things, when we step into a battle, the, many fights are lost even before they begin because we're fighting for the wrong thing. And we don't either know or follow the ground rules. Many, many fights we engage are lost even before they begin because we don't know or follow the ground rules associated with them. So what I want to do as we get started is actually go back to a passage of scripture we touched on last week that hinted at one of the ground rules and, and, and begin to lean into understanding the, the first two ground rules 
This is actually some, these are pivotal words from Jesus. And, and Jesus says them after being asked point blank, what is the most important ground rule? It was actually what's the most important command. But in his response, he gives two. And we find this in Mark chapter 12. Take a look at this. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first law. This is the first ground rule. Love the Lord your God. But then he goes on to give a second ground rule. And he says this, the second law, the second ground rule is this. You must love your neighbor as yourself. No other law is greater than these. In this moment, Jesus declares ground rule number one and ground rule number two. Love God, love others. And the reality is, there is a right way and a wrong way to fight. There is a way to win and there is a way to lose. And what we do before, what we do during, and what we do after those moments of struggle and battle matter. How we prepare, how we engage, and how we either gloat or mope afterwards actually matters. And the truth is, most fights, and especially in our families, are lost even before they start. Because we're fighting for the wrong thing. And we don't know or follow the ground rules. But these two ground rules lay the foundation for every other interaction in life. Every decision, every battle, every fight. Love God, love others. Now I think it's important to frame a bit more about the fights that we take on. Because most fights are lost even before they start because we don't know or follow the ground rules, but also because we don't know or understand the big picture. In the book of Ephesians is actually a description of the big picture, and it uses some warfare terminology, which sounds kind of ominous, but it's the real deal. And so I want to go to this. It's Ephesians chapter 6, and, and you can read this in your own Bible up here on the screen, but it's written by a guy named Paul, and, and here's what he said, Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. He said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, okay, we get that. There's God, there's the devil, there's a spiritual dynamic. They're, they're in conflict with one another. Okay, I get that reality. But then look what he says in verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Not against flesh and blood. Hold, hold the phone. Wait a, sec wait a second. We have all walked enough life to know that all of our fighting takes place in proximity to flesh and blood. Every fight has a living, breathing human being somehow connected to it. A snot-filled, sweat-filled, tear-filled human. Every fight, even the ones we're fighting against ourselves. So is Paul out of touch here? No. No, the key, the key in this conversation is the involvement of people is, is real, but it's our posture and position towards them that he's talking about. The involvement of flesh and blood is real. It's our posture and position with them. Flesh and blood is not our enemy. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It may be with in the sense of alongside, and it should absolutely be for them, but not against. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our, our battle is actually against someone or something else very different. Look at what he goes on to say. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
It is a battle not just against government or politics or gangs or groups or the man. It is a battle against evil. And in verse 13, he says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after everything you have done, after you have done everything, to stand. To do what? To stand. Look, there are two takeaways for us today as we look into that scripture. First and foremost is to understand and know who we're fighting against. To know who we're fighting against. Regardless of who you are, where you're at in life, whatever struggle you are facing, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your neighborhood, in your home, in your marriage, with your kids, wherever you are facing struggle, know that they are not your enemy. It may feel like it. It may feel like we're battling against people we may or may not like. It may feel like they're the enemy as we're battling against people that we we may or may not get along with. But they are actually not our enemy. They may be oppositional. They may do wrong things. They may do hurtful things. And the closer they are to us in relationship, the more complicated and hurtful those things can be. Especially if they're a spouse, a child, or a parent. But they are not our enemy. They're not the enemy. The fight is not against flesh and blood. The fight is for them, not against them. It should be for them. The the battles we face in this life are not against humanity. They're against principalities. And that is a really big word for for Satan and the devil and the, the spiritual forces of evil and darkness. Again, that warfare language may seem really ominous, but it is the real deal. And the second thing within this thing that I think we have to see is that catch that the goal is to stand in it. Our role is to stand, not fight. To endure, persevere, and overcome in his power, in the power of God. Verse 10 is very clear that it's in him that we stand. So we fight against all that junk in his power as we fight for his purpose for people. Flesh and blood is not our enemy. It is for, not against. The enemy is not flesh and blood. So turn to somebody next to you and say, you are not my enemy. Go ahead, turn around. Bettendorf, Kiwani, turn to them and say, you don't have to know them. Say, you are not my enemy. (laughs) This is a biblical truth, people. You are not my enemy. No flesh and blood is our enemy. Now hear me, when you say that, it doesn't mean that there aren't problems, that there isn't something wrong in the relationship or there isn't work to do in the relationship. It's simply declaring that we are for and not against them. That we are for them in the bigger battle. And there's a fundamental reality in the battle, that bigger battle, that, and this is your first feeling if you're tracking with your note guide, that when we follow Jesus, we don't fight alone. We don't fight alone. In that work, in that battle, we are not alone. He is with us, and we represent him. When we follow him, we represent him. He positions us then to make him first and others second, to love God, love others. Ground rule one, ground rule two. And in that space, as we love him and love others, he gives strength and sets a standard. He gives power and lays some ground rules. When we follow Jesus, we don't, we're not alone in that. We have strength and power as we follow ground rules in the standard that he sets. His priorities over ours. That we love God and we love others. It's not just us. It's not just our way. It's his priorities. Ground rule one, ground rule two. Now I want to talk more about that in a moment. 
But because when we follow Jesus, we're not alone, I actually want to look at another ground rule. We heard from Jesus out of Mark 12. Now we're going to hear from Paul, who also wrote that Ephesians passage we just read, as he talks about some ground rules from the life of Jesus, from the life and example of Jesus. It's, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. And if you have a Bible, I encourage you to actually turn to it, click to it, get there, because we're going to hang in that passage. We're going to go in and out of Philippians 2 for the rest of our time. It's in the New Testament. I find the Corinthians passages. You, you go to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you end up in the Thessalonians, back up a bit, past Colossians, you get back into Philippians chapter 2. And again, we're looking at the words of Paul as he describes some ground rules from the life and example of Jesus. So you can follow along on the screen or in your own Bible. We're starting with Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, united with Christ, not alone, not alone, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. When we follow Jesus, we don't fight alone. We are in proximity to him, but also in proximity to others, in unity with others, in community with others. Now, I get it. Listen, there is risk and complexity in community. To be in proximity to people inherently brings a messiness. It brings elements of drama. It's just part of the equation. But we are more vulnerable in the bigger battle when we're alone. We're more vulnerable alone. I came across a quote recently that just helps remind us of the reality that the danger of isolation is always greater than the risk of intimacy. The danger of isolation is always greater than the risk of intimacy. That is a strong and helpful reminder. See, the risk of community is complexity. I get it. Being next to people creates complexity, but the risk in isolation is limitation. There is weakness and vulnerability in independence, and isolation always distorts our perspective, especially in the fight, especially in the battle. We're more vulnerable in that greater battle when we fight alone. So be one in spirit and of one mind. The problem is when we don't do that, we've already lost. We've already lost. See, when, when we fight against those we should love, we've already lost. When we fight against those we should love, we've already lost. God calls us to, to fight for people, not against them. But I got to be honest, we, we've never been in a time in our culture with more words thrown around more cheaply with less effect. We're in a time period of fractured relationships. People hating people, more tearing down than building up. We are divided as a people and as a nation. And when we fight against those we should love, we've already lost. We've already lost. With the wrong goal, we end up in the wrong place even before we start. You know, not long ago, I had scheduled a meeting with someone that I knew I needed to have a reconciling conversation with, and we had planned to meet at a Mexican restaurant, and I knew because it was important, I got there early. And, and, and in Cadoba, you can see pretty quickly in that space who's there and who's not, and, and they weren't there. So I waited. Time came for the meeting. They still weren't there. I continued to wait. Ten minutes later, they still weren't there. It was frustrating. But in that space, I'm still trying to make the best use of my time, and I'm looking at my phone of tasks and things I need to do, and I looked at my calendar for what's coming up in the rest of the day, and I realized 
I wasn't supposed to be at Cadoba, I was supposed to be at Chipotle. <laughs> Honest mistake, people, come on, yeah. But I ended up having to have two reconciling conversations that day. One for the original purpose of the meeting, the other for being late. Now, I bring that up and share that with you because with the wrong destination, we lose before we begin. With the wrong goal, we lose before we start. So when we fight against those we should love, we've already lost. How do we not do that? How do we fight for what really matters most. Well, we've got to go back to the Philippians 2 passage. Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Ground rule number two. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, sometimes we fight against what we should be fighting for. We're to be for others. And scripture calls us to position others before ourselves. It's Christ-like. It's ground rule one and ground rule two. Love God, love others. Fighting for, fighting with, as in alongside, is good. Fighting against is bad. When we're fighting against those we should love, we've already lost. And that happens. That happens when we're in a dynamic where we're seeking to be right more than just facilitating the right thing. We end up in a space where we're fighting against someone else when we lose view of the image of God in them and only see the issue at hand. We fight against people when we position ourselves adversarially where it's us versus them. That's, that's a posture of being against, where we fight against, but we fight for when we seek to love more than win, when we seek truth more than our own comfort, when we seek to understand more than simply to be heard. And last week, as we processed that, how we view ourselves and we, we leaned into understanding how we look at ourselves, we actually touched on a scripture that I want to go back to for a moment. It's in the book of Romans, also written by Paul. It's Romans 12, verse 3. Here's what it says. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. There is a call to not overestimate or underestimate ourselves. If we don't get that right, then we're not positioned to in a healthy way fight for, not against. When we, when we overestimate who ourselves, we actually position ourselves in a place of being against. It's the against posture is often rooted in thinking more highly of ourselves. But we're called to actually fight for, not against. And Jesus models that for us. He calls us to do it. He modeled it. He, it's a very similar thing, but a deeper thing than what Paul's talking about here. We go back to the Philippians 2 passage, the verses 3 and 4. That is, that is leading us into something that Jesus modeled for us. And, and this is not always easy to consider others better than ourselves, look to their interests, not just our own. It, it's easy when they're nice people, when they're kind, and we like them. It's a lot harder when they're mean, when they're not kind, and we struggle to get along. When they're nice, it's easier, but it still can be difficult because people can still be oppositional. They can still do wrong things and hurtful things. And that pain gets all the more complicated when it's a close-in relationship, when it's our spouse, 
when it's our parent, when it's our child. Those spaces can be frustrating. They can be highly emotional, just charged spaces. But, but even in those moments, they're not the enemy. Our fight is not against them, but for them. So how do we navigate all of that? Well, it actually takes us to another ground rule. A really important one that we find in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. Take a look at this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's a ground rule. Guard your heart above all else because everything we do flows from it. To, to be able to stand, and after everything to stand in the power of God starts and ends here. It's a heart issue. Our ability to follow ground rule one and ground rule two is a heart issue. To love God and to love others. Guard your heart for the, everything you do flows from it. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what's before you, the struggle that you're facing, whether it's with a spouse, family, boss, whatever, whatever you're in in that space, our heart defines the win. The ability to love God, love others. The heart defines that. And in the emotions of conflict, we can end up losing the fight for the right thing because we don't guard our heart. We can lose the fight. See, fundamentally, when we're mismanaging our emotions, when we're mismanaging our emotions, we're allowing frustration to enter, we're, we're, we're allowing fear to take over, we're allowing uh, the embarrassment or shame of a dynamic to take over. When we mismanage our emotions, we end up misusing our gifts. We end up misusing our talents and our strengths. When we can't manage our emotions, we misuse our gifts, and sometimes those gifts are the relationships that we have and the people we're in proximity with. When we mismanage our emotions, we end up misusing our gifts. But, you know, I don't know about you, but I have been in a fair number of physical altercations. <laughs> Most of which as a state trooper, many in the military police, and some as a civilian. In fact, on one occasion, I was actually in college on a retreat with a bunch of other students. It was a winter retreat. And, then, and one evening there was a guy who was messing with one of the girls in the group. Just kind of harassing her, being a little bit rough. I didn't think it was appropriate, and I felt he should stop. So I, I communicated that to him. Now, I wasn't looking for a fight. I wasn't looking to start something. I was looking to end something. And so I encouraged him to stop. And it was both good and bad. It was good, and then he stopped messing with that girl. It was bad, and then he turned his attention and aggression towards me. <laughs> and this guy was a football player. He was stronger than me, bigger than me, and he was aggressive. And he immediately went after me physically, went to tackle me and take me to the ground. Now, this was a winter night with snow and ice on the ground, and I have a gracious God that I serve. And so in that moment, when he came at me, I was able to move and use momentum against him, and he ended up on the ground. That was good. But here's the thing. It embarrassed him. He got more frustrated. He got angry, more angry. And the truth is, when emotions take over, in, in a fight, when emotions take over, skill drops, and success is often lost. So he gets up from the ground, more frustrated, more angry, and he comes at me again. Not just once, not just, but twice. And in all, both those moments, I'm able to move, get out of the way. He's hanging onto my leg at one point. And in the end, it ends. I walk away and escort that girl safely to her cabin. And it ended without me ever throwing a punch. I do have to confess, though, he did end up with a black eye. 
But in my defense, it was when he was hanging to my leg and I was shaking him off and my boot caught the, the side of his face and he ended up with a black eye. But to this day, that girl, who I later married the following December, still describes that night as me giving a guy a black eye, fighting and defending her. <laughs> Listen, I was not looking for a fight in that moment. And I am in no way endorsing physical altercations. I'm not. That is not the best way to love people or fight for them. In fact, it's the easiest way to fight against them. To get physical and get aggressive, easiest way to actually fight against people. But I share that story because anytime emotions take over in a fight, skill drops and success is often lost. When we mismanage our emotions, we end up misusing our gifts. We end up mishandling our strengths. We, we miss. We fall to the ground. We get a black eye and we make a bad situation worse. Anytime we mismanage our emotions, we end up misusing our gifts. And sometimes those gifts are the relationships that we have, the people in our lives, and we can misuse and abuse them. Because when we get emotional, we make mistakes. We do it with our spouse and with our kids. We do it with our teacher or professor, with our boss or our coworker, our neighbor. It's true in every relationship that when we lose control of our emotions, when we get emotional, it puts us at a disadvantage and we make mistakes. And in our close relationships, even if we win the moment, even if we win the argument, we've lost because they're not our enemy. They're not our enemy. Our fight is not against them. It's for them. So above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Jesus, Jesus modeled this for us. He modeled selfless submission. And it was costly and painful for him. But it was beautiful. Let's go back into Philippians 2, verse 5 this time. In your relationships with one another, in the octagon, it's only a matter of time. It's inevitable that tensions will rise in any relationship. So in your relationships with one another, in the octagon, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's a ground rule. In fact, in some ways, it could be ground rule three. Love God, love others, be like Jesus. Have the same mindset of, as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Not, not just to be right, not just to win, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus lived a life of humility and obedience and sacrifice and love in order to fight for what mattered most. He came and he lived and he died and he rose again so that you and I, when we give him authority in our life, can be reconciled to God, made right before God, and positioned to love God and love others and be like him. 
That's a decision we all have to make. But in doing that, in modeling that example, he actually modeled for us how we fight for what matters most. How we sit in a sacrificial posture of love, fighting for, not simply fighting against. Because the truth is, the most significant things in life are found on the far side of sacrifice. The most significant things in life are found on the far side of sacrifice. The the most important things, the most meaningful things are on, on the other side of sacrificial love. They're realized on the far side of, of selfless acts of service, of fighting for, not against. And we're going to talk more about this next week as we continue in our series. But the most important, valuable things in life are found on the far side of sacrifice. So be willing. Be willing to sacrifice in your relationships. Be willing to lovingly sacrifice for, for something greater, for the ground rules of loving God, loving others, and being like Jesus. Now, I want to be really clear in this, that I am not talking about staying in abusive, unhealthy situations. There are times to walk away from a relationship or to involve the authorities, to call the police or other people. In unsafe dynamics, it requires extra consideration. But in our day-to-day interactions with people, just being people, we need to be willing to be Jesus and sacrifice. And that gets us to our training tip for the week. Uh, This is our so what moment in this series, our training tip. Are you ready for the tip for today? All right, here it is. I want you to decide today how you will fight tomorrow. That's the tip. Decide today how you will fight tomorrow. There is an opportunity to fight for those we're to love rather than fight against them. But that often requires a proactive plan that we implement in a reactive situation. If we're trying to decide what to do in the heat of the moment, that's problematic. That's where we end up with a black eye. Deciding beforehand allows wisdom to lead and not emotion to lead. Decide today how you will fight tomorrow. Decide now how you will fight next. And not just how, decide for who. Who God has placed in your path to love and to fight for in all the complexity of being in proximity to them. Decide today how you will fight tomorrow. There are things worth fighting for. But there are ground rules for how God calls us to engage in those battles for our family, for our kids, for our marriage. And they're laid on the posture of sacrifice and built out of a heart of love. Love for God and love for others. It's not undisciplined. It's not selfish. It's not limited. It's sacrificial. It's empowered by love. And if you find yourself today desiring better relationship, maybe you're in a relationship that's got some complexity and it's challenging, or maybe in a relationship that's good, you just want it to go to the next level. I want to again highlight an opportunity we have coming up on November 1st. It's called Fight Night. It's a simulcast event with Drs. Les and Leslie Parrott. And this is an opportunity for us to learn how to fight fair. Whether you're a newlywed, oldiewed, whether you're recently engaged, seriously dating, if you want a relationship to get better, I encourage you to make time to come be part of this. Great opportunity to know how to go to the next level in fighting for what matters most. That's coming up at the beginning of November, the end of our series. 
But for today, the opportunity I put before each one of us today is to follow the example of Jesus and to treat people based on the ground rules, loving God, loving others, and being like Jesus. Being willing to consider others better than ourselves. Being willing to be sacrificial, to to guard our hearts in his power and to not try to do that all alone. We need his power to do it. But to sit in a space where we're fighting for people, not simply against them, they are not our enemy. And there is an opportunity for you, wherever you're at in the journey, to be like Jesus as you love God and love others. Follow the ground rules. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you're in life, doing life with anybody, you're in a relationship with anyone at all, maybe a spouse, child, parent, grandparent, if you're in a relationship and doing life with someone, I want to encourage you at some point today, maybe even right now, to turn to them and say, I'm willing to fight for you. Give them a fist bump and say, I'm willing to fight for you. At some point, be willing to turn and say, I'm willing to fight for you. You may not know how to do that yet, but you're willing you, you may actually know have it, have it all figured out. You're just looking for the next level. Or you may actually make that a moment to say, I'm looking for a new start. I want to be willing to fight for you. Maybe you're acknowledging in that space, we've had some challenge, but I want to be willing to fight for you. I challenge you to step in proximity in those relationships and to be willing to be someone who fights for and not against. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take some risk, but it's in love that you do it. I challenge you to step to that person and say, I'm willing to fight for you. Or, I want to be willing. If you're just being honest, that it's been tough. See, when we follow the ground rules, well, then we live like Jesus, and everything changes. We're no longer fighting against, we're fighting for. And we're no longer led by emotion, we're led by Holy Spirit. So I, again, want to encourage and challenge you to decide today how you will fight tomorrow. As as someone who loves God, loves others, and lives like Jesus. There is power in that. There is power in following Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. It's how we stand and after everything stand. In fact, the the next part of Philippians 2, Paul actually speaks to this in verses 9 and, and on into verse 11. He says, Therefore God has highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My friends, decide today how you're going to fight tomorrow. Follow the ground rules. Stand, and after everything, stand in his power. And watch God begin to move in your relationships, in that power. But decide today how you're going to fight tomorrow. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that that you are slow to anger and abounding in love. And I thank you that love prompted you to send Jesus, that love led Jesus to the cross, that love led Jesus to the grave, but then led him out of the grave as well. Thank you for that love. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a people marked by that love, who love you and love others, and live like Jesus. God, I pray that you would position us increasingly to know how we don't fight alone, but how we fight in your power, but we also fight for others and not against them, for your glory. So help us in our own individual relationships to see where we need to take a stand and after everything stand in your power, but to do so in the name of your son, Jesus. That name that every knee will bow to. Help us not to be led by emotion, but by Holy Spirit. Help us to not fight against, 
those we should love, but rather fight for in truth, in sacrifice for your glory. I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.